The Green Bay Packers nearly blew an 18-point lead, but came through in the clutch with a game-winning drive with little more than 30 seconds on the clock. To break down the victory, we welcome Nolan Murphy of ESPN West Palm. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're talking about a big divisional round playoff victory over the Dallas Cowboys. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the line today. Expert interview. We have Nolan Murphy, co-host of Football for Breakfast and Fantasy Football Insiders on ESPN West Palm in Florida. Mr. Murphy, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great, Brian. Thank you again for having me on, and uh, glad we get to enjoy a victory Monday heading uh, to the NFC Championship game. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to talk about this victory in a second, but just to kick things off here, Nolan, tell us how a guy from Wisconsin ends up at working for ESPN West Palm and uh, a little bit about your history as a Packers fan. For sure, yeah. So uh, I went to the University of uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, ended up linking up with uh, ESPN Wisconsin, uh, 540 ESPN Milwaukee, and uh, ESPN Madison. They own ESPN Cleveland and ESPN West Palm across the country. Uh, The company is called Good Karma Brands, and I've been with them since July of 2012 in uh, some sort of capacity. And I've been here in West Palm uh, Beach, Florida, since the end of April, close to the NFL draft. And for the most part, what I do for ESPN West Palm uh, from a, a coverage standpoint is cover high school football and the Miami Dolphins for us. If you're not familiar, uh, Palm Beach County, where West Palm is, uh, there's 50 players on NFL rosters this season uh, from Palm Beach County. So a huge football following, and it all starts with high school football. So that's what I do the majority of my time, as well as co-host football for breakfast and cover the Miami Dolphins. Was Sam Shields from West Palm? I, I know he's from the area. I just don't know if that particular area. Yeah, yeah. Sam Shields is actually from uh, the Miami area, uh, uh, but very close from here, about an hour and a half south. Uh, but, you know, the list of NFL players uh, go from Vince Wilfork to Anquan Bolden to Devin Hester to Kelvin Benjamin to, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, who will be an NFL player someday who just won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool. All right, Nolan, let's talk about this victory. There's a lot to talk about in this game. So coming up with your MVP, where does Mason Crosby fall on the list, and how remarkable is this streak of 23 consecutive playoff field goals for him to, to win the game? Yeah, I don't think Mason Crosby gets enough credit for and will get enough credit for what he did yesterday. You know, he hit two field goals that will go down in the record books of over 50 yards. The first one, a knuckleball, how incredible is that? And, you know, the one he hit after, you know, being iced by Jason Garrett, the Cowboys head coach, to go back and hit a third field goal 
and to be part of, you know, those 23 consecutive playoff field goals. It's crazy to think, Brian, you know, just a few years ago in 2013, the Packers were thinking about cutting Mason Crosby because he was in a kicking funk. <laughs> yeah, the the just a few short years ago, his his job was in jeopardy, and I'm glad uh, they didn't cut him. And I'm sure uh, a lot of Packers fans feel the same. Nolan, did you lose any faith in Aaron Rodgers after throwing his first interception in the last eight games? You know, you have to remember that he is a human sometimes, so <laughs> it, it does it does flash across your mind when uh, you finally see somebody on the other side of the ball intercept one of Aaron Rodgers' passes. But as we saw on the TV broadcast, it really looked like it was a miscommunication between Devontae Adams and him. Adams probably should have taken the route more up uh, the hash marks instead of kind of bringing it out to the sidelines. But I'd be a ton more worried if he would have thrown, you know, a pick six at some point in that game or it looked like he was losing his fastball. Yeah. Were you at all in doubt that the Packers would lose this game after being up 18 points and then, you know, at least temporarily having the game tied and the the defense would falter? Any any hesitation there? Yeah, as a Packer fan, you know, my entire life, uh, you know, we've all been through some of these uh, playoff heartbreaks the last few years and you kind of start the clock watch. And uh, that probably started for me at 21-3. I knew we had to keep the pedal, you know, going, keep the gas going, and we didn't, obviously. And that would have been the story of the game, blowing the 18-point lead, especially after blowing, you know, the big lead uh, three years ago now uh, in the NFC Championship game to the Seahawks. That would have really started those Mike McCarthy uh, on the hot seat rumors again, I believe. So there was some doubt, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, having 12 on your side always helps. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, did the performance by tight end Jared Cook alone justify his signing in free agency, Nolan? I mean, one of the bigger catches uh, in the history of the Packers is up there, uh, definitely with some of the Hail Marys, including the Detroit one by Richard Rogers. But I think you have to look at, Brian, the entire win streak and having Jared Cook healthy for that entire win streak now, eight wins. That is where Jared Cook's going to make his money now, it doesn't make any sense to me why the Rams let him go, especially because we saw how bad their offense was this year. And you don't think a guy like Jared Goff, a rookie quarterback, could have used a reliable target like Jared Cook? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you would think they could. Yeah, and I, I'm the most interested, though, in terms of, you know, did this performance, you know, justify Jared Cook? I think it justifies it, but it, what it really turns the page to is what we're going to do in the offseason with him. Dwayne Allen. You know, he's a comparable tight end performance-wise to Jared Cook. He just signed a four-year, $29 million deal. Now, he's younger than Jared Cook. So I would hope that Ted Thompson in the front office can get Cook back at maybe a similar deal to what Delaney Walker got with the Titans. They're similar in age. He got two years, $11 million. And I would hope that, you know, we've seen how important Jared Cook is to this offense, and I know Rodgers likes having a big target like him around. How much do you think he's got left in the tank? It's always tough, you know, with players once they get to their eighth, ninth year to, you know, really judge. Cook's had some injury problems. You know, we saw with the high ankle sprain this year, but he definitely, in my mind, had three to four more, you know, years, two to three of them being strong. So if you can get him in that two-year, three-year contract window and just maybe some money up front, which is a a Ted Thompson go-to usually, you know, not having long-term money guaranteed to someone, 
I think Aaron Rodgers would be thrilled. Yeah, I, I think a two-year contract sounds great right about now. But uh, continuing, uh, we'll, we'll worry more about free agency in a month from now. But still, yeah. uh, <laughs> Nolan, how, how how long can the Packers keep up this kind of passing success without Jordy Nelson? I, I don't know. Maybe he'll be back next week. Can they, can they win next week without him? Can they win the Super Bowl without him if they have to? I, I'm just speculating. You're, feel free to take this in any direction you want. Yeah, well, I think we're lucky, Brian, that there's not a great historic defense left in the playoffs anymore. Now, the Patriots, you know, they were number one in the league with points allowed, which is a good stat. They're, you know, very similar to the Packers right now as a bend but don't break defense. I would say the Patriots have a better defense than the Packers. But it helps that Atlanta will be without Desmond Trufant, who's going to be out. He's out for the season with that pectoral injury. And also, heading back to Jared Cook, the emergence of him – and Ty Montgomery really helps the Packers kind of deal with that burden of not having Jordy Nelson, unlike last year when he went into that Arizona Cardinals playoff game without Devontae Adams healthy and without a Jordy Nelson. You really, you know, we're using uh, free agent wide receivers for the most part. So I think as long as the Packers continue to have a balanced offense, they can live without Jordy. But he would be a huge help next week against a really good Atlanta Falcons uh, front seven. Yeah, hopefully he'll get healthy and be back. We're talking to Nolan Murphy of ESPN West Palm here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Nolan, Micah Hyde is going to be a free agent in the offseason. Did he just cost the Packers millions of dollars with his interception and sack on top of solid play earlier this season? Yeah, I think if you're, Brian, if you're going to pay him off of yesterday's performance, he may be one of the few defensive MVPs the Packers had. Now, if they make it all the way to the Super Bowl, knock on wood, we always see guys get paid way too much off of a Super Bowl-winning team. We (laughs) saw it with Byron Maxwell a couple years ago for the Seahawks. We all know him going to the Eagles, how that worked out. So I think when teams look at Micah Hyde when he enters free agency, they may remember at one point he was allowing 123 passer ratings to opposing quarterbacks. And do you look at Micah Hyde as kind of a Dom Caper system guy, or do you look at him more of – you know, he can succeed like Casey Hayward. Definitely a system guy, I would say. So I think that's what a lot of the, you know, the league will look at. Uh, I don't think they'll say, you know, he's going to be Casey Hayward and lead the NFL in interception. And I think he actually stays with Green Bay because that's where he's the most valuable being that Swiss Army knife for the defense. I hope you're right in that regard. Uh, Nolan, how worried were you when Morgan Burnett was lost for the game, meaning the Packers would have to rely more on rookies like Kentrell Bryce and Josh Hawkins? Yeah, I mean, right away, uh, I I was definitely a little nervous just because not only dealing with Des Bryant is so hard for a secondary like the Packers that is so thin, but Morgan Burnett and Ha-Ha Clinton-Dix have been the glue of the back of that defense all year. And Morgan Burnett, you know, over the last, you know, basically the winning streak has really helped fill the void of Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan being hurt in the run game. And I was really worried that Ezekiel Elliott was just about to go off. Thankfully, for some reason, the Cowboys never decided to really ride Elliott at all during that game. But Morgan Burnett helps the run defense just as much as he helps uh, the pass defense for the Packers. But Kentrell Bryce stepped up in a big moment and didn't look like a rookie. Yeah, the, I thought they held their own. I mean, not nothing great out of them, but uh, 
Uh, maybe that bend don't break defense, I guess you could say, is what they were going with. Nolan, how disappointed were you, though, in the play of guys in the front seven, especially some of the edge guys like Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers, Dayton Jones, all of whom were r- relatively invisible this game, I thought. Yeah, for sure. I don't think Clay is healthy, and I'm sure that will come out at some point when this run is done on what he's really dealing with, how severe that shoulder injury is. But other than, you know, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, the Dallas Cowboys have one of the best offensive lines, other than the Packers, uh, in the league. So I thought at times uh, it was pretty disappointing. Now, Julius Peppers has looked ten times better than he did in the beginning of the season, and that's hopefully because of the pitch count. Mm -hmm. But at times, Dak Prescott, and I don't know how you felt about it, but just like Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott could have ran all over the Packers, almost like a Colin Kaepernick did a few years ago. Years ago. And I didn't think the Packers did a great job spying Dak Prescott, and that's why we maybe didn't see the pressure we needed to. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, Nolan, uh, before we let you go, I know it's early here, but what's your feeling on what's going to happen next Sunday in Atlanta? I don't know if you want to give me a score prediction yet or not. It's only a few hours after this last game, but just want to get your feelings at least. Uh, as to what the Packers are, are getting ready for? I don't think there's any reason to stop now, Brian. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers said they may run the table, I don't think he was just talking about six regular season games. <laughs> and he knows uh, that to finish it off, he's got to win 10 in a row. Now this is going to be a shootout. Uh, Las Vegas already came out with an over-under line for the game. It's set at 16.5, according to Peter King of MMQB, which would be the highest ever for a championship game or a Super Bowl the Packers just got to start fast, just like they did yesterday in Dallas. And it'll be interesting to see how they contain Tavon Coleman, who didn't play in the first game. Uh, Tavon Coleman all year has really been the road warrior for the Falcons. But on Saturday against the Seahawks, they used both him and Devonta Freeman, I thought, to really uh, you know, match up well against what is typically a good Seahawks defense. So i got to go with Packers winning, but it's going to be a shootout, just like last time we were in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun uh, no matter what happens. Nolan, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Greatly appreciate it. Love to have you back on sometime. Yeah, anytime, Brian. Uh, Hopefully we'll keep the good juju going uh, this week in Atlanta. (laughs) And I appreciate what you guys do for Packer fans across uh, not only Wisconsin, but the country. Well, thank you. All right. Take care, Nolan, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Nolan Murphy of ESPN West Palm joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. The Green Bay Packers win 34-31 to as usual in the aftermath of the game. I'm going to give my post-game chips report to players in every category, blue chips, red chips, cow chips, starting with your blue chip players, the best of the best. And I'm going with Mr. Mason Crosby to kick things off here. The kicker to kick things off appropriate. He hit a season long 56 yard field goal with 133 remaining to put the Packers up by three. And then he hit the winning 51-yard field goal as time expired to win the game. And he did that after the Cowboys tried to ice him. And the the kick that didn't count was good as well, by the way. Simply amazing what Mason Crosby has been able to do. This 23rd consecutive playoff field goal, that alone is is remarkable. And considering, you know, when you get to this time of year during the playoffs in January and 
and several of those you know field goals taking place in cold weather environments like Green Bay, like he did in Seattle uh, in the NFC Championship game two years ago there. Um, or is that three years ago now? Jeez. Um, uh, Mason Crosby just, just really, really looking good. And, it, you know, it, that this game will probably almost be remembered for, you know, uh, what he was able to do as, you know, that, that game in Seattle may have been his previous best game of his career. This one might, you know, do it because he actually came up with the game winning kick. Um, he, he was also four of four on extra points and all six of his kickoffs went for touchback. Um, as far as kickers go, you couldn't ask for a much better performance. Perfect on the day. It kind of looked like some of those, those kicks, especially the long ones at the end, what one kind of knuckleballed in and, and the last one just barely got inside the, the field goal. Looks like he had to put a little English on it to get it in there, but it, it, it hooked in and, and I mean, what can you say? All that matters is that, you know, it, it went through the uprights. That's, that's all that counts. And, you know, sometimes with those long field goals, you you just don't get the same trajectory. It's, it's gotta be a little bit lower trajectory, which, which puts a lot of pressure on the guys blocking up front. And Hey, I remember that season two years ago when the Packers were giving up all sorts of blocked kicks and blocked punts, that's not happening anymore either. So testament to the Packers special teams for improving in, in many phases of the game uh, to go along with Mason Crosby. Your other blue chip performer, though, uh, going with Aaron Rodgers here. Uh, he gets it for directing the game-winning drive with little more than 30 seconds left on the clock. His strike to Jared Cook, the biggest of the game. It, it wasn't a perfect game, and maybe that's that's why Mason Crosby's getting top billing here is because he, he had the perfect game. Aaron Rodgers did throw his first interception of the eight-game win streak, but but he did complete 28 of 42 passes on the day for 356 yards, fitting several passes into tight windows that made you go, wow, uh, I know the... The strike to Richard Rodgers to set up a touchdown was really good. And then the the one play that's really remarkable is a play that you think of would, would, is a bad outcome. The sack that he absorbed on the final drive of the game, sustaining the blindside hit. But the amazing part of it that was that Rodgers hung on to the football. Lots of quarterbacks would have fumbled on that play. Um, but Rodgers didn't, uh, perhaps you could fault the defender for pr maybe trying more to force the fumble there in, in trying to swipe at it. Uh, in, in he just kind of more went for the sack than anything else. Regardless, it didn't happen. It was still a hard hit from the blind side that he didn't see coming and, and credit Aaron Rodgers for, uh, a strong grip on the football. He also chipped in 16 rushing yards, including one big, uh, 11 yard first down conversion. So add it all up. Blue chip performance from Aaron Rodgers. Your red chip performers, the good, maybe not great. Uh, one of them going to Micah Hyde. Uh, it, you know, guys we've already talked about with Nor Nolan Murphy, but still deserve uh, the recognition here. Micah Hyde had the interception that was the result of, you could tell, watching film remembering the last game they played against the Cowboys during the regular season. Um, uh, Micah Hyde also had a, a sack early in the first quarter that stopped the Cowboys' momentum after they had a couple 
uh, first downs on that drive. And, and and here you go. Micah Hyde played more snaps than any other player on the Packers roster. All 69 on defense plus 15 more on special teams. He, he only had the one punt return, which he fair caught. So not really, um, <clears throat> you know, making an impact there in the return game, at least, you know, showing a, uh, a solid set of hands. And, and you know, you're, you're always worried that somebody could muff a, a punt at any time, and he didn't do that. Uh, but Micah Hyde, you know, coming up with the big plays in this game, he, he was sent on blitzes several times. And even, you know, in addition to the one time he, he – um, you got a sack. There, there were other times where, like, he's putting pressure on Dak Prescott. Just, just a really good game. Uh, there, there was a time, you know, maybe early in the game, you watched him. It was right away in the first quarter where he lost contain um, on a on an Ezekiel Elliott run, um, in which he he kind of it was a run blitz, I believe, um, and maybe that's why he's getting the red chip and not the blue chip here, um, but. Still, uh, I mean, for, for what he contributed to a Packers victory, Micah Hyde, a hero, as he's been several times this season. Remarkable, remarkable uh, for a guy who is who is not a great athlete in, in terms of foot speed, at least, uh, but makes up for it in so many other ways. Uh, gotta love what Micah Hyde is providing here. Uh, the biggest season of his career, easily, Um in 20 the 2016 2017 season your other red chip performer jared cook there were two huge plays from cook the obvious being his 35 yard reception to set up the game winning field goal he did an amazing job keeping his feet in bounds um and then he also had a touchdown catch earlier in the game getting wide open against the cowboys defense in the red zone that pushed the lead to 15 points at the time uh, but on the day, he had six receptions for a team leading 104 receiving yards. He was targeted 11 times, and he he did leave a catch or two on the field. Perhaps that once again, perhaps that preventing him from being in the blue chip category. But a good day all around once again. When when you when you contribute far more good things than you do the the one or two you know, plays left on the field. Uh, that that's, that's a good day. And that's why he's, uh, in the red chip category, your cow chip players, um, several candidates here, Demarius Randall, this, this easily could have been Ladarius Gunter, uh, who really didn't have a good day after allowing Des Bryant to have more than a hundred yards and two scores. Gunter also had two penalties, but ultimately, I thought Randall played slightly worse, allowing the fourth quarter touchdown pass. And when he gave up a couple other receptions, he wasn't as close to the man as you'd like him to be. There was always that big cushion there uh, that allowed the passes to be completed in front of him. And at least Gunter broke up the pass that Morgan Burnett was injured on. So that that's why I guess I went with, with Randall here over Gunter. Uh, in in what was a trying day for the Packers secondary, uh, uh, again perhaps one of those bend not break days. It, it wasn't the worst game from Demarius. We we've seen worse, including earlier in the season. Uh, but still, uh, maybe and maybe that the lingering injuries are affecting him. He, I can't. He was placed on the injury report the day before the game. So Saturday he was added to the injury report with a foot injury. This is on top of 
uh, a groin injury and shoulder injuries and I believe a knee injury also this season, obviously the groin impacting him the most. So, but I mean, uh, you, you start have dealing with all these issues and, and you can understand why perhaps that's contributing to some of his struggles. Um, uh, hopefully he gets healthy from here on out because they will continue to need him uh, the rest of the way as far as they can advance in the playoffs. Uh, your other one, uh, going with Julius Peppers in this game, uh, outside of Nick Perry, lots of edge rushers in the front seven made minimal impacts. Uh, so this easily could have been like Clay Matthews or Dayton Jones, but at least Clay Matthews made the key pressure late in the game uh, on the uh, third down stop, forcing the Cowboys to kick the field goal. And, you know, when when deciding here, Julius Peppers over Dayton Jones, compared to Jones, Peppers played 45 snaps on defense as compared to Jones 31. So you expect more than just the one assisted tackle Peppers made. And yeah, maybe you could argue that he helped Doug Free commit two penalties, but that's debatable at best. Uh, Peppers also allowed Elliott to beat him around the edge on at least one occasion. Uh, you know, uh, Nolan Murphy said it earlier, Julius Peppers is playing better than he did earlier in the season. This still wasn't a good game from him. I'm not worried about Julius Peppers, but thought he could have had a better day. Was going up against a good Cowboys uh offensive line but still for for the guy who's the captain for the veteran for a guy who's been around the block has been a a pro bowl player just want a little bit more to julius peppers he gets the cow chip in this game um so there you are there's your chips report from the packers divisional round victory over the dallas cowboys a couple other items here um, I don't want to spend too much time because it's obviously the the focus here is on the game. But, I mean, uh, this is the Hardcore Packers fan podcast here, <laughs> Railbird Central. So um, if we don't talk about it now, it, it's even, you know, the news is even older further down the road. Uh, but things that happened that popped up since the last episode of Railbird Central on Friday, all of a sudden the Packers are in the news for all the wrong reasons. Sam Shields has been charged with marijuana possession, and, and it, yeah, it sounds bad, but first of all, I'm not sure this is ever going to matter because I don't know if Sam Shields will ever play another snap in the NFL. Um, uh, he's on injured reserve for the rest of the season. He can't come off this year by rule. So uh, obviously they they haven't committed to anything beyond the 2016 season, um, but uh, if this you know happens to get go any further down the uh, legal route, the, who knows how how long he could be suspended? I I don't we don't know at this point. It's all just coming to fruition uh, or just coming to our attention now. Um, even though I believe the, he was actually, you know, uh, arrested. I'm not sure if that's, I don't think he was ever arrested. He was charged back in October was when the incident was, uh, but let me tell you how worthless this is the, the Brown County drug and, in, in, uh, task force, I, I believe is the unit that came apparently to Sam Shields house um, and here's a guy who has now had how many concussions in his career? I've lost count several concussions in his career. 
Uh, if there's a guy out there who needs to smoke marijuana, it's probably Sam Shields. And, and I'm sure this this isn't to paint the picture of, of Sam Shields as some some innocent little guy who probably never touched marijuana before uh, before he had a concussion. I'm sure he probably did <laughs> just just by uh, uh, I would say most people in their life has have probably done it. Uh, but it, you know, what a waste of taxpayer money for, for something that's going to be, end up being legal in a few years in Wisconsin. Anyway, it's already legal in you know, other States. Um, you know, it, it's not like he got caught, you know, failing a drug test here, uh, had, had Sam Shields just live, had he been playing for the Denver Broncos and, and li- been living in Colorado, this very likely wouldn't have happened uh, because the only people who uh, have any, you know, it's it's not enforced at the local and the state level uh, in those kind of places, only at the federal level. So this wouldn't have happened. And, and what a waste of taxpayer money to, to you know, go uh, hassle the guy who's, whose brain has been damaged by playing football. Uh, I can't tell you how disappointed I am in, in hearing that. And that they would waste their time with with a little bit of uh, a weed that Sam Shields has, e- even if it's a lot of it. I I could care less. Um, just as long as he's not selling it or in large amounts, <laughs> like somebody else on the Packers roster had had been accused of in the past. But um, you know, whatever uh, with Sam Shields here. Uh, Darren Perry, safeties coach, was also charged with OWI, uh, as we found out. Um, he ends up having a hearing in February, but it, the actual uh, uh, citation was given in December. Uh, but we just reported this week as, as we find out when his hearing has been uh, scheduled for. So, um, you know, with Darren Perry, he's not a player, so... Uh, his, his impact on, on the game will be minimal. Hopefully, uh, he makes better choices the next time around, uh, in terms of like anybody, you could make better choices. If you've had a few, you know, just call a taxi instead or an Uber or whatever. Uh, but wanted to comment briefly on those. Cause like I said, uh, our focus is on the game, but, uh, we let it slide and then it's even older news further down the road. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get back to this. The day ahead. All right. So what are we looking for on a Monday here in the world of the Green Bay Packers? We're still waiting to find out when Mike McCarthy's, uh, you know, day after game press conference is going to be. I assume it's going to be held in the afternoon, although last I checked before the show started, they haven't published a time yet. And, and, you know, we're probably more than anything waiting for an update from Mike McCarthy, especially on safety Morgan Burnett, who couldn't finish the game. Unlike a couple of other players who temporarily came out of the game but returned, you know, those being David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, you both kind of, you, you, you saw him come out of the game and you may have been, as watching the fan, you know, gasped and be like, oh goodness, just an, another injury here. But at least both of them were able to return to the field and that's a good thing. Um, but still waiting to hear about Morgan Burnett. I heard it was a thigh Injury, you know, usually that just means a a contusion. Obviously, it had to be a pretty severe one if he came out of the game and couldn't return. So I'm hopeful 
that uh, the prognosis on Morgan Burnett will be, you know, favorable in terms of him being able to return in time for this upcoming Sunday's NFC Championship game, although we will see. And that's that's why we're waiting to hear when this press conference is going to be in the talk show circuit. Um, Ty Montgomery will host Clubhouse Live on Monday night, and I know guard Lane Taylor will be the guest on Packers Live with Larry McCarron, which records live from the Legends Club at Lambeau Field at 6.30 p.m. on Monday night. Uh, there are several more shows as well, several of which... You know, I, I haven't seen announce their guests probably because they didn't know if the Packers season would be over or not. Uh, but there really plenty of opportunity to uh, uh, fix, uh, get your Packers fix on a Monday night after a big playoff victory over the Dallas Cowboys. It's been fun, folks. It was an absolute blast of a game to watch. Um, and uh, I'm glad I've predicted two straight Packers victories. Um, and feeling good about it. And I'm not sure I can stop now. We'll see as the week goes on and we talk more later in the week. Uh, already got our guests lined up as usual for Wednesday's show. We'll be ta- talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com as we do every Wednesday during the season. So we'll take one last look back at this game and finally ahead to the matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. So. We'll see you, folks. Uh, my call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show's free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you could do us a solid, head to iTunes, search TV. It'll pop right up. Give us that five-star rating. Brief little review. doesn't have to be anything long. But we'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Hey, folks, we'll see you later. Uh, on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV. I'm Brian Kiruvu. Leave you today with a song called Cannon in the Heavens by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go, pack, go. I'm a beast, I'm aiming for a freak, a savage, I'm an abnormality, ain't no matter